We span time together. We span time together as a couple, because we're a loving couple spanning time. Spoilers ahead. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Callum. And welcome to another episode of 1001 of Film Policy. As always, we've chosen a film from the book 1001 Movies You Must See Before You Die. And this week, Callum has picked the 90s cult classic Buffalo 66. Written, directed and starring Vincent Gallo, this auspicious debut film follows a shifty-looking loner who deceives his parents by kidnapping a teenage tap dancer to pose as his wife. His Buffalo Bills-obsessed mother and singing father are none the wiser that their son has just spent the last five years in prison. Callum. Yes. Buffalo 66, why'd you pick it? Well, because I like it, really. Um, and I, well, I liked it when I was younger, and I wanted to see if that was just me being sort of a young and naive person who likes films, really. And I wanted to see if it held up. Um, and I wanted, to, I just want to talk about the film with someone, and no one I know has seen it to talk about it, really. Fair enough. They're the reasons. Now I've seen it. Yeah. And I will unleash hell on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd not seen it before, obviously. And now I have. Um, but. Initial thoughts of the film was I thought it looked quite good um, in terms of I, I quite liked Vincent Gallo. I think he's very artistic, isn't he? I've yes. looked into him a lot. He started out as like a painter and, and for some reason a, a motorcyclist. He's sort of he's a mixed bag. He's a very strange man. Yeah, um, yes. you can get you can go down the rabbit hole with him really. You um, But I think anyway the visual the the visual sort of element of the film I thought was great in the direction direction stuff like that. I didn't like the content though. I felt I, I thought it was really hard to watch. Yeah. Um, I found it really difficult. I don't know if he's, he is playing a character. I think he he is just playing himself in a way, and I don't like him. <laughs> I don't like the man. <laughs> I don't think he's a nice fella. Well, that's um, you know what what a lot of people's sort of issues with this are. He's just a he's just a not very likable person all the way yeah. through, really. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if he's maybe he is an arrogant man but it could all be because you mentioned how artistic he is it could be all like a performance like you know andy kaufman or something yeah i don't know because because i've seen a lot of people who spent a day with him for like an article they said he was just just funny the whole day he was just being funny like taking the mick out of everyone but like in a jokey way like he wasn't horrible but then i've heard other people but it's usually when he's working on a film he's he's horrible is <laughs> is like the when i've when i've heard people say he's horrible so i don't know maybe he's just really method I don't know what, what his game is, really. Yeah, on this um, film, he, he managed to alienate nearly everybody. I think he fell out with Christina Ricci, didn't he? He fell out with um, Angelica Houston. And he fell out with the cinematographer, I think. He sacked him in the end, the cinematographer. I think even like Ke- Kevin Corrigan, who plays Rocky the Goon, I think he like didn't want to be associated with the film, so he's not credited. I'm not sure if that's... Yeah, he did, he did say that, yeah. But he, he's also one of the people who described Vincent Gallo as really funny. As well, yeah, so. I think I think later on he sort of came round and isn't proud of the film necessarily, but doesn't shy away shy away from being in it anymore. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But yeah, I think didn't Christina Ricci call him a, a crazy lunatic man? <laughs> I yeah, never wanted to work with him. I think Vincent Gallo's sort of defense was this is what he said anyway that he was joking with a friend about Christina Ricci's performance, and then someone told her about that, like his joke that. So someone went behind his back and told her, and then she. Yeah, it sounds like that. it was a bit of uh, 
Chinese whispers, that one, doesn't it? Was a bit. But apparently he was also quite abusive to her on set, wasn't he? Like, he was actually saying horrible things to her all the time. I think the first thing he said was, like, your pimples look look horrible or something oh, to try and get into the character. I know <laughs> I he, that's what I read. He often referred to her as a puppet as well, um, which his character sort of uses her in a little bit as his sort of puppet sort of thing in the film, I think. Well, he definitely does. He gets to pretend to be his wife. I was reading the press kit about the movie, and they said that to create this, for the movie, to create this kind of uh, sort of unlikable character at first, he was actually mean to you off camera. Is that right? Well, yeah, because he he sort of was really getting into his character, and it was sort of scary because I didn't know that he was doing this. <laughs> so we would, um, and he was really nice before we started actual production, and then once we started production, before takes and stuff, he'd yell at me. Um, not really yell, but say kind of nasty things. Like he told me once that my my... He said, oh, look at you, those, like, two pimples. And, um, so he... Always a way to endear yourself to a woman. It's quite yeah. fine. But, yeah, no, I, I sort of, my, my uh, thoughts on the film were that you're meant to see that, obviously, he's had this... I mean, I don't blame him for being a bit of a dick because his parents are horrible as well. His yeah. mother wishes she never had him and the dad's too busy trying to feel up his... Uh, well, yeah, it's pretty wife. mental. Um, yeah, it's not good. I think what he said was, um, I think this is from like an interview. He said that um, he said he's playing he's playing his father, what he would have become if he let his father's heavy impact stay in his life. So he says what he plays in the last five minutes of the film is is him on a really good day. So the actual he says he's actually like he is in the, in the last five minutes of the film, basically. Right. But the rest of it is what would have happened if he stayed at home with his parents. I don't even um, think in the last five minutes of the film is that great because he's been. Horrible, absolutely horrible. Exactly. Christina Ricci for the whole film, yeah. and then and then buys her a hot chocolate and a cookie, and thinks that that's made up for it all. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, I think she's the victim in all this. What 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 does she, what's she been through that she thinks that <laughs> that she falls in love with him considering how he's been with her? With him, obviously, this being his first film. Yeah. Um, I'm always, I always find it very impressive when someone directs and acts in a film. Um, I can't imagine how even do that really would you just be sort of being in scene and then running off <laughs> and, yeah, never and then running back on weird. again i don't really know i don't understand it but i always think it's very impressive and obviously with this being his first film as well not just the first film he acted in not just the first film he wrote or and the first film he directed he did all three of those in one which not i don't know if, if many people have done that it's a very it's very much a diy film isn't it but it, yeah. doesn't, but it doesn't feel like a DIY film. It feels a lot more professional than that. Yeah, I think that's why I like it. Like, it's not a perfect film, is it really, the way it's filmed? But it, I don't know what it is about it. It's just, I think that makes it more interesting to me in a way, sort yeah. of. But I just like um, I just like the way it looks, as you yeah. said. Yeah. <laughs> like I say, I, I, obviously, I, I, the visuals of the film and the some of the... Um, like, for example, when he sat in his parents' house and all four of them sat on the table. Yeah. And it shows all angles. And it's sort of like a warped sort of. It, it's not actually how you'd see it, is it? It's, it's a bit, a bit Wes Anderson sort of like. Well, I think that sort of scene. Yeah, I think that scene is actually um, meant to be like sort of a homage to to a Japanese guy called Ozu from like uh, who made films like the fifties and forties, thirties, sixties. And he every because they sit down in uh, like Japanese houses, and that's what the meals look like in there. And and the number plate on his car says Ozu. Oh, uh, on Vincent Gallo's car. On the nose. There you go. So it does look exactly like a, a yeah, an Ozu film, those, those shots. But yeah, where's Anderson as well? 
he must take a lot of inspiration. Like French New Wave films as well, really. I think both Wes Anderson and Vincent Gallo are sort of like breathless and all those type of things. Yeah. When did um, Wes Anderson come about? He was, sort of like, he was late 90s, wasn't he? Yeah, he was around the same time as this, actually. Like maybe just a few years before with uh, Bottle Rocket. Maybe they shared notes. Yeah, I don't know if they share notes. I think Vincent Gallo's gone on record to say he hates Wes Anderson, oh. like his films, <laughs> and also like literally every other director that was around at the time. Oh, God, don't get me started. I, I've looked into <laughs> him. I've, have you seen his website? Yeah. Have you seen the personal services he offers? Yeah. That's um, ridiculous. He's very, well, his political views, shall I say, aren't. Oh, yeah. But the faint of heart. It could all be this big artistic thing. You never know, but it is mad. If you if you want a bit of a laugh, go onto his website and click on personal services. Yeah. It's ridiculous. One thing is he he sells uh, samples of his of his semen for oh, a million yes. a million dollars a pop. Yeah. For one, yeah. for starters. Absolutely. Yeah. That's all you need to know about the man, really. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he has a, he, he 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 doesn't just give it to anyone. basically. Um, yeah. He's, he's got very strict rules. <laughs> yeah, he has. Well, the main aspect of the film that makes it a five-star film for me, because that's what I rated it, actually, on Letterboxd, um, is is the, the technical aspect of it. So, as you mentioned, that yeah, he was called Lance Accord, wasn't he, the cinematographer, who I think he was like widely, widely credited with the way it looks. But, obviously, Vincent Gallo has said that he, he was the one, that he took credit for it all, basically. Yeah, um, and so, this the fellow he referred to as a button pusher. Yeah, like a button pusher. Yeah, he like, had no ideas, no conceptual ideas, no aesthetic point of view. And things yeah, like he that. wasn't. Yeah, he was all computers, and there was no sort of art behind him. Yeah, ridiculous. Well, you have to you have to have someone like that really on the, on a film. I think it's good to have a bit of both, isn't it? Yeah, the technical side and the artsy side. I I think it's yeah, as I said, like French New Wave films, a bit Japanese, like other art house films, but it's like totally unique as well. But I I've, like some standout moments for me in the film were obviously that yeah, that meal that you mentioned, that meal scene with the parents. Yeah. Um, both the dad singing and Layla's dance. Yeah, that that was. I did like the dad singing. I thought that was quite <laughs> yeah. funny. Yeah, and he was like both under a spotlight. A spotlight, isn't it? It's like on a, yeah. on a stage, really. It was a bit uh, like something like a date of a David Lynch film. I thought. Yeah, I thought that as well. Yeah, like Blue Velvet or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, any flashback scene? I quite liked it when it like zoomed in, like the the scene that was next. Really, it was it was a bit strange, but it, yeah, no, no idea. I thought it was quite changes. clever. Yeah. It comes out of him, doesn't it? As if it's out of his mind, sort of. Yeah, like the other, the other scene sort of slowly quiets and down, and this one comes into the forefront, really. And then, um, my favorite of them all was that sequence at the end in the strip club. I just that, that's what I remembered from the first time watching that. That really, I really enjoyed that when I first watched that. Yeah, I think that was probably the best scene of the film. The, yeah, because I think he did a lot of the music himself, didn't he? Yeah, um, that could have been an honourable mention when we did the top three needle drops. Because um, I thought yeah, that sort of fit it perfectly. Um, it was very tense, wasn't it? Uh, as I did. he walked in, yeah, and it sort of yeah built up and built up, didn't it? Until yeah, yeah and then did it what was, he did. went very quiet. Yeah, it was cool. I just like the, the whole aspect of it, really, like the the slow motion, the like the freeze frame. It does like you expect them just to keep going, but it, yeah, it just stops, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's cool. Was that his own song then, that, in that one? Because I couldn't find any details about that. Myself. I believe so. It's a I good it's song. Awesome. It fits well. That's what we're saying. Other thing I'll say about music is um, I never noticed that this film's referencing that Wet Leg song. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah, it's like I've got Buffalo 66 on DVD. Yeah. yeah. That is weird that they mention that because it's very hard to get this film on DVD because <laughs> yeah. the distribution of it is, is difficult, especially in the UK. Um, but yeah, there's only like French versions of it. How Wetlag got that DVD, I'll never bloody know. Obviously, you give it five stars then based on 
sort of the technical sort of side of things. Like I said to you before, the, the story sort of didn't sit with me. I thought some of it was was good, but I, yeah. I, I, I like I said, I gave it a three. Yeah. Originally, initially, and then when I've thought about it more and more, I've thought this film's quite misogynistic, really. I know, obviously, it's obviously misogynist in the way he's name calling and stuff like that. But in the yeah. fact that she sort of, it's got that sort of stereotype that you can do anything to women and call them this, that, and the other, and abuse them and all sorts, and they'll sort of give them a gift of a fucking cookie, and then they're all yours, sort of thing. And I don't know. I, I, I think if, you can say maybe that Vincent Gallo did that on purpose, whatever. I genuinely think that he probably believes that, and it's probably his actual. I think that he conveyed his own ideas of, of women and stuff like that into this film and that's why I didn't really it just it made me angry a little bit. I didn't yeah. I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like that's him as a character. I didn't sympathise with him at all. The only person I sympathised with was 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 Layla in the film really. Um, yeah. and a bit of Goon. Because he wasn't very nice to Goon, Goon either. Yeah. He was horrible too. <laughs> yeah. Goon. And I just thought and then the more and more I thought about the film and the more I looked into Vincent Gallo and I thought because originally I just thought that was the character and this was the film. But then when I sort of read a bit more on him, yeah. I thought, nah, I th- he probably, this is probably how he thinks. Yeah, I don't maybe a- think, I don't want to give him a three anymore. I want to give him a three and a half. Take it, take it so I took half a point off him. Yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> I just did. No, no, that's fair enough. And it, yeah, he is a dis- dislikable fool for amateur of the film, isn't he? Um, yeah. But yeah, imagine writing in right at the beginning, you know, after that long scene of him trying to find a toilet. Yeah, um, which this film could have been a two-hour film about him trying to find a toilet. I think that would have been quite yeah. exciting, actually. Um, <laughs> but constantly needing the way. Well, he needs one later on as well when he goes to. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, imagine writing in right at the beginning, like a, a a gay man comes up to you in the toilet and looks at your penis and says it's so big. Imagine writing that about yourself. Yeah, I know. And then his reaction to that is a bit mad. You don't know. It's hard to tell with him if he actually thinks like that. Relax. Don't tell me to relax. Don't tell me to fucking relax. Just keep your face out of my pants. Just so bad. What the fuck would you say? I, I think he... I think he... I don't know. But anyway... He, yeah, he, I don't know. Make any accusations. Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't think he's going to listen to this. On, but anyway... He might but do. Yeah. He, 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 you never know. He, he did go on TV once. There was this show where all these critics, it was like they yeah. were brought in to talk about about films and they talked about the 066 and they were quite they slated it quite a bit and then the, it was a didn't big surprise sc- was they bring out the director and it was him <laughs> didn't, he, didn't he absolutely school them as well I'm, I've heard I think so he did quite yeah he held his own definitely I don't know I don't know what this fella's like I, I've, I've, <laughs> hard to tell I don't know I didn't like his character in it and I didn't he, he's meant to be your anti-hero sort of he's not obviously an anti-hero but he's sort of meant to be the character that you sympathise with in the end yeah. and the, the character that needed fixing and this woman who doesn't have her own mind, only all she wants to do is fix him. Although he's absolutely horrible to it. I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't like it. Yeah, um, that's fair enough. It just made me feel quite uncomfortable. Yeah. No, I can appreciate that. It wouldn't be someone I'd want to hang around with. I'll put no, it definitely way. not. <laughs> I'd be like, oh god, here he is. But I might as well do a bit of a defence for him, shall I? Then just go on, it out. defend the man. I think, obviously, it's a bit of a front and a reaction to his own parents and he was raised in an unloving home, like you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, his parents don't care about him. As well as this, there's that scene with the uh, the girl played by, is her name Nancy, played by Rosanna Arquette, <laughs> who you think was his ex, but is actually just someone he was in love with from afar. But yeah. You may call that stalking. I don't know. Um, but I just see him as a very insecure man dealing with trauma and his aggressive attitude seems to have been 
sort of like nurtured by his mum and dad. And I think Christina Ricci's character slowly peels back the layers to the point where he's literally at one point in the fetal position, like a baby, and she's like next to him on the bed. I don't know. Oh, no, I, layers. I, no I, I agree with all of it, apart from the fact that I can't. Christina Ricci's character just doesn't. I don't think that there would be someone that would be like that, if you know what I mean. Like, she's literally yeah. been kidnapped. I get all the other stuff, and I agree with all the other stuff that he is insecure and. He's yeah. made up this false life about himself. Um, and I don't blame how he is at all, um, really. But I just don't mm. think that... I think she's a bit of a fantasy. A bit. If if, yeah. if the twist had been that she wasn't real, like, you know, in The Joker, <laughs> yeah. that would have made Dead a lot on. more sense. Dead because on. I don't think anyone would have stuck around for this long. That's the only unrealistic thing about it, is that Christian Ricci was a real person in it, um, for me. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I just didn't get. Yeah, it could, it could be that he's referencing old sort of, you know, like duo type films like Badlands. Because in Badlands, to be fair, in Badlands, um, Sissy SpaceX's dad is is horrible. <laughs> so he sort of saves her from him, really. Right. Um, so you sort of maybe needed something like that to make it a bit more make sense that she would stick around really like he saved her from a horrible situation like a bit like you know like taxi driver or something like that yeah. but he but he he doesn't really he just he's he puts her in a horrible situation rather than saving that's like the difference isn't it with this film yeah i, I get how he is and i and i can sort of recognize him as he's quite a human person yeah but yeah the only, the only like i said the only thing that doesn't sit with me is i can't imagine anyone sort of sticking by it <laughs> so, especially considering they've been kidnapped if it was his actual girlfriend and maybe he's having a couple of weeks where he's having a hard time maybe but no she he's, he's a stranger to her who kidnaps her and then she just becomes infatuated by him for no reason whatsoever literally no reason until later on in the film when she can start seeing but she wouldn't have stuck around for the majority I don't think anyway but I don't know it doesn't go too much into her background either really it's she's just a girl at ballet recital yeah taken. you don't learn anything about her do you there's no the film, character really? character development with her at all yeah but saying that I do think she still has the standout performance Christina Ricci yeah no um, I agree yeah considering she's only 17 at the time as well yeah, which is another dodgy thing when you consider what happens in this film sometimes with her. Um, but we don't need to go into that. But yeah, um, she's juggling quite a bit, isn't she? Because in some ways she's quite childlike, you know, when she sticks her tongue out at the bowling alley and, you know, playing with fire, talking back to him and stuff and dancing. But then she's also quite motherly in, in other parts as well. So she, yeah, she juggles both of those roles in this, really. She, she's only young, wasn't she? She's 17. She's basically everything she, he needs, but she gets nothing out of it. Um, so, yeah. Which is why I think that it's it's an unrealistic character because because it it like I say if she wasn't if if you found out at the end that she was in his head but it still fixed him I would probably give it a three <laughs> that would improve it for you yeah. that would have done it for me fair enough <laughs> yeah no I, I I appreciate that as I say on the phone and work sometimes I appreciate how you feel <laughs> yeah. but I think yeah the fact that she was so young and Vincent Gallo was a allegedly hurling abuse at her throughout the filming makes her more endearing as well. And when you see her like flinch or we see a closer reaction to it, it could be very, you know, very much be a real response to an off the cuff remark from, from him as well. Yeah. And as, she especially holds her own during that scene with the parents, I think, because they're quite established actors in that scene really. And she's like devoted to the cause while surrounded by utter madness. Well, she'd been in 
the Adams family with Angelica Houston, didn't she? Yeah, I, um, I didn't realise that until watching it this time. I was like, oh yeah, that's mental. I completely forgot about that. Um, so yeah, so they would have been familiar. Um, I saw a fun fact actually, now we're talking about like, Angelica Houston. Uh, the budget for the film was $1.5 and they spent $20,000 of it on her wig. That's mad. <laughs> on a, just a wig? Just a wig, yeah. That's ridiculous. I know. You could have just, yeah. if for all that, you could have just cast someone else with that hair if you really, yeah, really definitely. wanted it. The casting of the parents was uh, was good though. Um, yeah, and and all that scene was in his childhood home as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was his actual home. Was quite wasn't cool. It? As, a, as, a, as a kid, um, yeah, I thought that was cool. One thing I thought was strange that because they couldn't get the NFL rights to the Buffalo Bills, they could only yeah. refer to them as Buffaloes or the Bills, which is quite. Yeah, that's weird. You'd go with the Bills, wouldn't you, in that in that situation? You wouldn't call them Buffalo, would you? I don't know. I don't know what you'd go with. Well, when I saw the name of it, Buffalo 66, I had no context. As you said to me last week, it's one of those films that feels like it's from like the 70s or whatever. So yeah. I thought it was actually set in the 70s. So it took me quite a while to realise it wasn't because they were watching black and white TV. Yeah, I know, it's weird. It's, it's hard to tell, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell at all, really. Uh, it was the diner and stuff, but I think maybe the... the I don't know, I don't know when I realised it was it was modern. Who would you have cast if it was made in the 70s? That's a uh, question I have for you. As him? As him and Layla, let's say. Um, Layla, we'll go with... Uh, we'll go with Sybil Shepherd. I'd agree with that, yeah. Yeah, blonde, quite innocent looking, isn't she? She's got that girl next door sort of look. Yeah. Um... I don't know who's the main guy. Um, there's not many people like him. I would say someone maybe to have a different, well, maybe like John Cazale if he was alive, potentially. And then maybe like, I was thinking Christopher yeah. Walken could probably pull it off. <laughs> but I've never seen him be a, <laughs> utterly, other than true romance, be a properly nasty man. <laughs> no, I can't imagine it. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's quite a one of a kind sort of role. I don't know. I was quite torn in this film between wondering if his performance was any good or not and I think yeah. a lot of the time it was but a lot of the time I I could see through it a little bit fucking hell how many times do you want to see spending time <laughs> spending time that's the big spending scene everyone time, references time. that was the most spending annoying time together that was the most annoying five minutes of cinema history I was going to open this podcast saying, Jake, let's span time together. Oh, no, but but then <laughs> but then when he's looking into the camera, you think, oh, actually, no, you he, he, he can see sort of how he feels. He's quite tortured, isn't he? And you can see it in his eyes. and the, yeah, It looks like he could literally break into tears, that sort of, right there. But then there's other scenes where I, I, I sort of think, mm. I don't know. I know what you mean, yeah. He does a lot, like my issues with other films, a bit like Network, I think I mentioned, a lot of shouting. I, I think that's an excuse to get past doing subtle acting really if you shout it sort of yes it's, it's an easy easy route isn't it easy yeah it's an easy way out yeah i suppose <laughs> it is yeah um when you act in the mirror you always shout don't you yeah <laughs> yeah you do <laughs> yeah, no right. you specifically i don't oh me yeah of course yeah with my top off <laughs> ben gazara i think very bizarre performance and he was obviously in a lot of john cassavetti's films who's sort of seen as the godfather of american indie filmmaking really so his films were like filmed almost cinema verite style which is like a lot of improvisation it seems like a documentary really and i think he probably employed some of that here really um in fact he did a dodgy fact is he plunged his face into christina ricci's chest and announced apparently in that yeah scene. i noticed that and you I, know, I, I noticed it <laughs> you could tell that yeah she wasn't happy with that she was like what the hell 
Yeah, it's a bit mad. And another fact I found dodgy about it's all a bit odd that Vincent Gallo refused to let Christina Ricci's mum come on set because she was a minor. So you had to have someone with her, but he refused to to let the mum be there. Yeah, I think that's probably more to do with that he wanted complete control, didn't he? I think he wanted to, yeah, yeah, complete control over her, and not not necessarily even the film, but because his character has control over her as well. Um, well, I'm sure I'm sure a mum would have stepped in every time he sort of shouted at her or was horrible to her as, as allegedly happened as well so he probably wanted that to be un, un, uninterrupted because he probably planned ahead for that didn't he yeah fingers are right i'd say he probably represents the origin of billy brown uh brown's rage and also yeah because there's that scene isn't there where he just relentlessly just bursts into to rage at christina ricci so you can see where vincent Gallo gets it from yeah um but he's sort of like a Jekyll and Hyde sort of how he acts with both Christina Ricci and Vincent Gallo is very odd. He just yeah. ignores his son, but continually says, says he loves Layla despite only just meeting her. Yeah, daddy loves you very much. and It's so weird. Daddy loves <laughs> yeah. his little girl and stuff. It's bizarre things to say. It's, he just seems so, I don't know, hot and cold. It's just bizarre. It makes me feel uneasy anyway. Do you know when like um, in-laws and stuff refer to people as their, their kids when it's not their like, yeah, yeah I know what you mean. <laughs> when they're not, they're married to their son or daughter or whatever, and they call them their son or daughter. I find it weird because then it makes you siblings. Yeah, that is weird. I've shared them before, a bit like that. But that <laughs> That's <yeah>. horrible. <laughs> um, in this, yeah, it's it goes the extra sort of mile, doesn't it? Um, she, she, if this was real life and that Layla got kidnapped and put in this house, she would be wondering who the fucking crazy one is. She'd be wondering, when are they going to start eating me? Yeah, definitely, yeah. It Surely. Sort of lead into that. It was like the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> so Angelica Houston, I think she's equally as loony, really. she's represents sort of the neglect side of his life, doesn't she? And yes, yeah. as you mentioned, just care about the football more than anything else. She, she reminded me of Robert De Niro in Silver Linings Playbook a bit, and a bit uh, like Jackie Weaver in uh, Silver Linings Playbook. Not that one, not the one from the Hanforth <laughs> uh, meeting. But she's like an amalgamation of those two. And I, I do always enjoy an Italian-American mum in films as well. It's a great character. <laughs> yeah, they are funny. <laughs> yeah, She's quite hot and cold as well, isn't she, with the... Uh, with the, both of the main characters as well. Yeah, they're very unpredictable. You don't know what the next yeah. sort of sentence, what, not even what the next sentence is going to be, how the next sentence is going to come out, how it's going to come across, how they're going to, what mood they're going to be. They're just erratic, uh, aren't they? Yeah, yeah exactly, well. yeah, erratic. I quite enjoyed the whole in the in his parents' house scene. Yeah. Um, it was the before and after I was a bit like... Ooh. Well, I saw a thing that she probably called him Billy because of the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't realize that the first time watching it, but yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I think I picked up on that at the end. So then, and then, other than those, I'd say they're the sort of the um, supporting cast, the the parents, and then there's like sort of side characters in there. So obviously, Kevin Corrigan, as you mentioned, plays Goon or Rocky, as he wants to be called. After yeah, a while, but I think he plays the berated friend quite well. Yeah, um, I do. But yeah, you feel sorry for him. <laughs> yeah, I do. Film. Poor guy. Um, the best five years he probably had was when. His mate was in prison. He had a bit of peace. Yeah, he could just lie in his bed next to his his reptiles in the in their cage. <laughs> yeah, that was a very small cage for that guinea pig. Hey, go. It's me, Billy. What are you doing? Billy, I don't want people to call me that no more. Even you. Hello to you too. Uh, why? What? What are they calling you now? 
What do you want them to call you? He's in quite a lot, though, isn't he, Kevin Corrigan? He's one of them. He pops up quite a bit. He's like, yeah, he's like a character actor, really. He always pops up. He's like, I remember him being in um, Pineapple Express. That was the first thing I think I saw yeah. him in. He's and super then... bad as well, isn't he? He's the one that has a fight with. Uh, yes, he's, he's at the party, is, isn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the period it is on his leg. Yeah, he must have made friends with Seth Rogen and on all those guys at some point. But he's also in, um, oh, what's it called? Living in Oblivion, I think it's called, with Steve Buscemi, where he that plays was... like a, a young, like sort of cameraman type guy. And that's the only other film I think I've seen him in other than those two. No, incorrect. I don't know, another one you've seen him in. Go on. Goodfellas. Who's he in Goodfellas? He is um, Ray Liotta's brother in the wheelchair. Oh, do you reckon that's where Vincent Gallo and him met then? Maybe? Possibly, because he's in the background yeah. of that. It, it, he's like an extra in that, isn't he, Vincent Gallo? Is he it's... one of those gangsters that gets knocked off at some point? No, he's, he doesn't play anyone that big at all. It's in the scene just before the um, Sunshine of Your Love bit, and he's just in the background in there. Oh, is that it? Oh, yeah, right. he's okay, just chatting to someone. Role. No, he doesn't, he doesn't have a, like, any speaking role or anything like that at all. Not that I, think, I know of anyway, I don't think so. But yeah, with Kevin Corrigan, I don't know, do you know, obviously Benny Safdie, who's one of the Safdie brothers who made those films, Good Time and stuff, mm-hmm. he's gone on record to call Gallo a genius. So I think he must have got some influence from Kevin Corrigan's character in, have you seen Good Time? No. All right. Well, he plays sort of a similar, sort of a similar character in in Good Time with the mannerisms and facial expressions. But uh, it remind, remind me of him anyway. Fair enough. Thought I'd, thought I'd bring that up. Yeah. When you say I just nod along, in the, <laughs> and I sort of pretend I know what you're talking about. I oh, got claim. Sorry. Yeah. Fair no. enough. Mickey Rourke. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Where did he come from? I know he was only on screen for a short amount of time, wasn't he? I think he was um, struggling financially. Um, and I think, according to an interview, he said that Gallo offered him a small part on the movie and paid him with a paper bag with $100,000 in it. That's how he paid him for the role, yeah. which I thought was a bit mad. Fair enough. Well, he he plays a bookie in, in this, doesn't he? Yeah, no, I was very surprised to see Mickey Rourke in this. Um, and I didn't really recognise him because I've only really seen him in sort of more recent roles like uh, Iron Man 3 and The Wrestler. Yeah. Um, and he's changed a lot. Consider, <laughs> considering he was on screen for what, yeah, like you say, three minutes for 100 grand. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, no, name alone. Weird, but, then you can, but then you can put Mickey, Mickey Rock on the... Yeah. On the... Um, it is quite hard to tell it's him, really, cause since you've seen him in all the new things. Luckily, I've seen a few films before. He did whatever he did to his face. <laughs> yeah. Didn't really bring that much to the film, but he plays that role well of the intimidating... Box yeah. guy, doesn't he? That could have been played by anyone. Literally. Really. He was an amateur boxer. Anyway. Yeah, he was. <laughs> I think he quit acting to do boxing. Oh, was that what it was? So I knew he disappeared. That's why. He's, do you know, he's, he's in shitloads of films that are like in post-production now. Is he? He's yeah. making a comeback. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten films that he's credited as being in post-production at the minute. He's, yeah, he's meant to be in the palace with uh, Roman Polanski. Oh, God. Good luck. This film's gone down well in Japan. Apparently, it's like a, it's got a massive cult following in Japan. Yeah. Um, probably goes a little bit to like what you were saying earlier on about um, what did you say about, about the number plate? Oh, Ozu. Yeah. Oh, Ozu. Yeah, maybe maybe for that reason. Um, yeah, maybe. A little fact I found out is there's a the main antagonist in the Cowboy Bebop film, which is like an anime thing that's quite popular, is based on Vincent Gallo, the way he looks. Oh, right. So if you look, if you look it up, it, it does look like him. It's weird. <laughs> so the, they really do love him in Japan for some reason. 
the famous film creator Roger Ebert was fam- famously gave it a positive review. I think awarding it three three to four stars. Um, and right, and then it plays like a collision between a lot of half baked visual ideas and a deep and urgent need, apparently. So that makes it interesting, according to him. But then I think even later on, Gallo slated Roger Ebert. I think that was in reference to his second film, though, um, called The Brown Bunny, which got I've quite heard a lot. Of. Yeah, that is a bit. I've seen it, and it's. I don't know how to. It's, don't watch it, basically. There's a blowy in it. There is, right at the end, a real one. A real um, glowy. He's riding around on a... American Psycho. Yeah, he's riding around on a motorbike the whole time, and then that happens. You're like, what? what is this? But but yeah, apparently Ebert said it was terrible at first, and then um, I think he's called him a big a fat pig with the physique of a slave trader, apparently. And he put a hex on Ebert. Oh, uh, is which... this the fellow that he, he wishes cancer on? Yeah, he wished him colon cancer, yeah. Yeah, what the fuck? He said it. Roger Ebert said it was the worst film in the history of Can the, uh, the Brown Bunny. Um, but uh, later on, he said he, he quite he gave it a thumbs up the the re-edited version. Well, he have to because otherwise he's going to get more hexes and curses put on him. Well, yeah. Well, even even then, Gallo said no, that's a lie as well. So he's still sort of had. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's a very hateful man, really. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I, I won't be inviting him round for dinner. That's that's a fact. No, absolutely. I won't be spanning time with him any time soon. No. Another scene that we haven't mentioned is the Christina Ricci tap dancing scene in the bowling alley. Yeah. Um, really like that. I don't know what the song is. Is it King Crimson, the song? Yeah, it's King Crimson. Yeah, that one. Um, I really like the song as well. Um, and she choreographed it, which adds on to the ad-libbing and the improvisation of this film. Um, but it's, I think what, what Gallo has said is that this is like a very subtle musical, really. And both the Ben Gazzara singing and her dancing are like musical numbers. He said he really wanted to make a musical. Well, Con, where should we put it in the list? Um, The ever-growing list, shall I call it? Yes. Uh, Yeah, we've got loads of films. Quite a lot in there now. Uh, well, you made a. You, are we going to mention that you made a little graph, or are we just keeping that? Yeah, well, I, I just thought, obviously, because we do it on Letterbox and we do it out of our sort of our five stars to to keep it sort of as accurate as we can. My score of two point five and your score of five would make it a seven point five, which would put it on on par with American Werewolf in London. Um, yeah. So it's currently then eleventh. It's it's just pipped Thelma and Louise. It's the eleventh best film of all time. Yeah, which is pretty good going. Vincent Gallo would be happy with that if you told him that. Yeah, of all time, out yeah. of 13. But then you say, oh, it's out of 13. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's below Willy Wonka. Yeah, he'd knock you out. You <laughs> 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 wouldn't be happy. Fuck you. Fuck. If you've been keeping an eye on our Twitter, I put a little post out uh, earlier in the week. It will be now, once this is released. Uh, saying that we're actually going to start splitting up these episodes. So obviously you realise that by now. Um, but we're going to do um, the main review every Friday, as as we've always done. But then we're going to split it up. So we do the top threes on, I think we're going to release them on Tuesdays now, just so you get a bit more to the, you know, we spread it out a little bit. Yeah. And also we talk if, a little bit more about each thing as well. Then. Yeah. And if you like the top three, listen to the top three. 
If you like the yeah. review, listen to the review. If you like them both, listen to them both. Yeah, you can pick and choose. You don't have to sit through the bit you don't like to get to the other bits, really, which, you know, I understand because I do that with podcasts myself sometimes. Or, Not going to name any names. Or because you like it so much that you just can't wait a full week for more yeah, content. Well- yeah, we'll build the uh, the appetizer. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> from now on, we'll build it is not because if you don't like one bit and you like the other bit, instead it'll be that you like them both and you have. Yeah, we're teasing you, really. We're but, teasing yeah. you. But we'll be releasing um, on next Tuesday. We'll be releasing the top three directorial debuts. So obviously, Vincent Gallo. This is his di- directorial feature debut, isn't it? Really. So we thought we'd base it on that just to go with this film. Um, but shall we? For next Friday, pick the film that's going to be on the next Friday episode of the main review. Yeah. Yeah, we can't. Yeah. Okay. Next week, we'll be watching La La Land. Whoa. I've done it. That's what we're watching. (laughs)